Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. Hey, welcome to Sunday Morning Vision. This is Palm Sunday. And I'm so excited, man, because I was thinking back, you know, Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Man, what an amazing time, Lord, when people were worshiping Jesus. And so this morning, on this Sunday, what God has put in my heart is a message of reset. We're in trying times right now. We're in, we're in times that we've never seen in the history of the world right now. And there is no better time to do a life reset than right now. Have you ever called tech support? Have you ever called and you talk to somebody in India? You know, you call tech support and, and what's the first thing they ask you to do? I mean, other than is your, is your device or computer plugged in and is it turned on? That's normally the first question I know. But, but typically the first thing that they try is have you powered down and have you powered back up? Why? Because that resets the system. And that's what I feel like I'm feeling like God wants us to do during this season is this is an awesome time for us to reset our life, reset our system, you know, reset what God is doing in our life. This is spring, man. Spring is in the air. You know, all things are new in the spring. Things begin to grow. It's a time of new beginnings. And you know what? That was what the Passover was. Remember when Jesus sat down with his disciples and they were eating the Last Supper together and it was Passover. And it was, it was during that celebration. And so, you know, he's eating with his disciples and all of these are transpiring. The thing about Passover is this, is it's a celebration of spring. It's the celebration of birth and rebirth. But most importantly, it's a celebration of a journey from slavery to freedom. It was a time to celebrate when the Israelites had come out of bondage from Egypt and they'd come out of that slavery. Well, I believe this morning that many people are gonna come out of slavery. Maybe you've been in bondage in certain things to addictions, to, to anger, to bitterness, to unforgiveness, and God now is wanting to bring us out and he wants to help us reset our life. And so this is an amazing opportunity. You know, we just came out of winter. What is winter? Winter is a time of everything dying, right? I mean, it kills off the insects. It's supposed to. I don't know if we got that, <laughs> if we killed off everything this year because we kind of had a light winter. But that's the intention of winter is everything dies and it kills off all the insects. Why? So that we can have a brand new spring. Everything can be new in spring. And then, and then it prepares us for the summer. And you know what the summer is? That's a time of planting and harvesting. And I believe that we're going to begin to sow seeds in our life. We're going to begin to plant things in our life, and we're going to reap a mighty harvest in, your, in our lives. So I want to read to you out of Acts, Acts chapter 9. And this is Saul. You remember Saul. He, he was breathing out threats toward uh, the disciples of Jesus. And, and he, went to, you know, the, he went to the high priest in the synagogue, and he asked for letters you know, to the synagogues of Damascus so he could get help and he could bring, you know, all these men and women of God that were disciples of Jesus and take them captive, bring them back to Jerusalem. And so he's on his way to Damascus. He's on that road. And what happens? This huge light shines and it blinds everybody. And so much so that Saul falls from his horse. He gets up and this is what he says. He hears this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then so... Saul responds with, 
who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And then Jesus re responds with, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the golds, goads. And then Saul says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go to Damascus and I want you to wait there. And what's going to happen is that you're going to be told what you're, what you're supposed to do. What was that? What happened? It was a reset in Saul's life. Saul then became Paul. After that miracle and, and, and everything that God did, his life was forever changed. He had a major reset happen in his life. And what happened as a result? He wrote half of the New Testament. There was no greater evangelist than Paul in that season and in that time. You know, about a month ago or so, a little while ago, uh, Zach and I went to a place in Fayetteville. It's, it's called Arcadia uh, Retrocade. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to that. But it's really cool. It's all these games from the 70s and the 80s. And they're, you know, the big box games. Remember when you used to go to the arcade? Some of us do. You know, when you used to take your quarters and go down there and play. And they had games like, I saw Pac-Man there, Asteroids, Galaga. I even saw a Wreck-It Ralph game. And the, the cool thing about these games, though, is, you know, you start playing them and you die three times and then the game's over. And so the interesting thing is, is if you got to that third time and you died, all you had to do was reach down and press the reset button on the machine. And all of a sudden the game went back to brand new. Everything, it was a do-over. You got three new lives. It's a cool place. You pay five bucks and you get to play as many games as you want. You know, but the neat thing is, is that those games reset. Well, God wants to do that in our life, in this season, in this time. This is a great time that all of us have slowed down. The whole earth, it's like all of America, all of the United States of America has stopped. We're paused. And so what do you do when there's a pause? Man, it's a great time to begin to evaluate, to begin to look at your priorities and look what's important and begin to reset your life. Let me share one thing with you. This was an interesting story over in Luke chapter 12. In verse 16, Jesus told a parable. And he told this parable and it says that the ground of a certain rich man had yielded plentifully. And he thought to himself saying, what should I do since I have no room to store my crops? He said, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns and greater ones, and then I'll have room to store all of my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, drink, eat, be merry. And then look what it says in verse 20. God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will all these things be which you have provided? And so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What happened? He had a major reset in his life. He had a reset happen, and it wasn't the kind of reset that he wanted to see happen. But this brings me to this point. He was at a place where his life had become comfortable. Before all this began to happen with the coronavirus, think of the United States, think of where we were as a nation. We were experiencing uh, the most prosperity that we had ever experienced as a nation. The economy was the best it had ever been. All, you know, all these things were amazing. And, and we had this, this um, comfort that we had not experienced before, right? And, but what happens is there's a warning that comes with comfort. Think about this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I quote it often, especially about, you know, finances and increase in my life. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land, which he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill. Isn't that good news? Man, God's going to give us cities. God is going to give us houses which you did not fill. Who now wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. But listen to this. He went on to say, when you have eaten and are full, satisfied, have everything that you have need of. Doesn't that sound like that rich fool that we just read about? He was satisfied. He had more than he could desire. Look at verse 12. It says, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So you see, a warning comes with comfort. God sent a warning with comfort. Do you remember that movie, Rocky Three? It was back in 1982, it came out. And it was one of my favorite Rocky movies. You know, it's got Mr. T in it. And Rocky's at a place where he's experienced great success. He came out of Rocky Two. He beat, uh, you know, what was the guy's name? He beat in Rocky Two. Apollo Creed, that was his name. He beat Apollo Creed, and now it's Rocky III, man. And now, and now he's fighting all these fights. But the problem is he got comfortable. Man, all of a sudden he experienced success, and so he's not having to fight as hard for things as he used to. And so, But Mr. T, man, he's training hard. Man, his character, Clubber Lang, man, he's training and training, and he's hungry. And Rocky's coach, Mick, he sees that, Clubber Lang is hungry, and he thought he thinks, man, he wants to fight the champion, Rocky, now. And, and, and he's thinking, no, I don't, I don't want you to fight him because he's hungry. And what's he say? He says, he'll eat you tomorrow, Rock. And what happened? He fought him, and he lost. Why? Because the hunger was gone, the passion, the desire, the zeal that he once had before. And so now, you know, he's, now he needs to train, get his passion back get his desire back, get his hunger back, get back the eye of the tiger, right? And that's what we have to do as Christians. We're in a place right now where we get to do this. We get to get our hunger back, get our focus back, get our zeal back for God. And that's a great place to be, right? So look at this. Think about this as well. 2 Samuel chapter 11. All right, David, this is King David. King David is in a place where he's experienced success. You know, the kingdom is finally established. He has this success under his belt. You look back at his life from Goliath all the way up until now, it has just been one fight after the other. And so now it says in 2 Samuel 11, verse one, it says that in the spring of the year, when kings normally go to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. So look at what David's doing. He's going, okay, kings are supposed to go to war, but you know what? I've, I've fought all my battles. You know, I've, I've been successful at it. I'm going to send Joab out. And then it says that they destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. And then, however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And so late one afternoon, notice this, after his midday rest. So David's taking naps now. I mean, he's hanging out in the palace He's probably listened to every musician and watched every juggler and musician come in and entertain him. He's taking naps in the afternoon, right? And then it says, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. Here's the challenge. David is not where he's supposed to be. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And so he's got nothing 
to do. He's idle. And it says he got out of bed and he's walking on the palace and he looks over the, city, over the city and notices a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Let me tell you, when you're not where you're supposed to be, things can happen. And so look what happens because he's comfortable. In 2 Samuel, in the next chapter, chapter 12, verse 26. So now Joab and all, all this stuff happens, okay? David winds up. Uh, sleeping with another man's wife and then murdering her husband. That was, that was what happened out of that as a result. And so now in the next chapter, in chapter 12, in verse 26, it says, Now Joab fought against Rabbah of the people of Ammon and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and I have taken the city's water supply. Now Gather all the people together and come and encamp against the city and take it. Otherwise, I'm going to name this city after my name. This is what Joab's saying. Why is Joab saying this? What he's saying is, you're not where you're supposed to be, David. And if you don't come and get where you're supposed to be, I'm taking the city. It's going to be mine. So that's a good question for all of us. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Are you where you're supposed to be this morning? Have you allowed yourself to become comfortable because you're blessed? Man, we are so blessed in this nation. You know, we are, we are a nation that buys more paper products than any other nation on the planet. You know, I've traveled a little bit, not as much as my wife. I've been in several different countries, but one of the countries I've been to often and a lot has been the Dominican Republic. And when we're there, one of the things that you learn, is, I learned especially after going the first time, is to always have tissues. I got some right here. You always want to have one of these, you know, with you in your pocket or somewhere with you when you when you go to the Dominican because you're going to go into a bathroom and they don't have paper products and they don't even have seats on their toilets. Some of the many of the places that we went to, they didn't even have seats, you know. And so what happens is you, you're in that nation and you see all the things that they don't have. And then you come back to the U.S. Oh, the other thing they didn't have was Wi-Fi was really spotty. I mean, you know, we got on the bus getting off of the airplane and we were so excited because the bus said free Wi-Fi. And then you get on there and only three people can get on at a time. And it's like dial up, man. It takes forever to go to a web page. And you're just thinking, my word, this is not what I'm used to. This is not DSL. This is not high speed Internet. Let me tell you, our nation is so blessed. So it would do a lot of you good to be able to go to other countries because it would make you really appreciate like you never had before what's in this nation. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you things that you need. I want to give you things that you need to be able to reset. Okay, are you guys ready? Those of you that are taking notes, good for you. Number one is a decision. You need to decide. Decide. Reset is getting first place in my life. What is getting first place in my life? That's what I need to reset. You know, have you allowed God to slip to second place, third place, fourth place? Have you, caused, have you watched him kind of slip further back, further back, further back? Because I've got this going on. I've got this going on. I've got this going on. And maybe sports has become first place. Your career has become first place. Family can even become first place. Let me tell you what God said about that. Because God, God should never be in second place. He's not a second place God. He's a first place God. Let me tell you what it says, what Jesus said. Luke 14, 26, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brother, his sisters. Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That word hate, man, when I used to read that scripture and I'd be like, what? 
I mean, that just seems like a really harsh word. Well, I looked it up in the Greek. The Greek word is meseo, which means to love less. And here's what I've learned from it, that if I love God the way I'm supposed to be loving, if I'll put him first place, then that means I'll love my family, my, my spouse and my kids the way they need to be loved. If I would love God first. Number two, detox. Let me tell you, detox, well, let's, let me just read a scripture. Have you ever seen that scripture about sweeping the house in Matthew 12, when it says an unclean spirit, when he goes out of a man, he goes to dry places seeking rest and he finds none, right? And so what does he do? He comes back to the house that's been swept clean and he brings seven more uh, friends of his, enemies, that are even worse than him and he populates the house. Why? Because the house has been swept clean. Let me tell you, when a house has been swept clean, it's got to be filled. We have to fill the house. It's not enough to just sweep clean. We have to fill the house. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says, So be careful how you live. Do not live as fools, but live as wise. What does he mean, be wise? In verse 18, he says this, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's living wise. Amen? So, so resetting your diet, though, is not always fun. I'm, I, listen, I know. I've, I've reset my diet, and it's not fun because there's different things that I know that I need to cut out, you know, in order to live healthier. And, and it's not easy. And so what happens is if you can get through those three days, right, of detox, maybe some of you have come off of caffeine, maybe you've come off of something, and you have to reset your body. There's, there's ways to do that. So how do you survive a detox process? Well, if you look at it in the natural, one is drink lots of filtered water. We need the washing of the water of the word, man, and our spirit. Right? Get plenty of rest. We're supposed to rest in God. That's where our rest comes from. Be patient. You know, you didn't get there overnight, so it may take a little while to change, right? So through faith and patience, though, we inherit the promises. Think about that. We remove temptation um, from, you know, from our situation. We take those things out of our pantry so that we're not tempted to eat them, right? You remove the option of quitting and returning to the old life. And then you focus on working for God. Faith without works is dead. And then you get, you, get a, you get a buddy to help you. And let me tell you this, God is your father. The Holy Spirit is your mentor and your helper. Amen. And then number three, disconnect. Disconnect. What do you need to disconnect from? There may be some things that need to be cut off in your life, just like Jesus said in Matthew 5, that if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it off. There may be things that you need to cut off relationships. You know, if you're the average of your five closest friends, then you need to be really picky about your five closest friends. Why? Because they're going to influence your life. They're going to influence your faith. They need to be the kind of people that are going to bring you up, not drag you down. You know, you may need to cut off some addictions. You need to cut off bitterness, anger, resentment, strife. You know, all of this amounts to input. Who's having the most input in your life? Who has your life? Man, we need to make sure God has our life, has our heart. Not, not just that we invited him into our heart, but we give him our life. And then number four, die. Phil, that sounds kind of morbid. I know, it does. 
But we're supposed to die, not physically, die to ourself. What does that mean? Well, it may mean for some people, if you're single, that you're supposed to wait for the right one that God has for you. You're not supposed to just take, you know, ex- any, any person that comes, you know, doesn't mean that you're supposed to marry him. Just because he asked doesn't mean that he's the one for you. You need to know in your heart. It may mean that no matter how good business is, the, good, the business opportunity is, you may want to check with God. And if he says no, you want to submit to it, right? It may mean taking time every day to study the word of God. You have to die to your flesh and make yourself spend time in the word. Make yourself spend time and pray. I've noticed that I've been able to make myself do things. It surprises me sometimes. Sometimes when you think you can't do it, you actually can. And that's the reason that you need to do it. Matthew 10, 39 says, He who finds life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. This means that God's plans, that we put God's plans above our own. Are you willing to surrender your life to his, your will to his? You know, <clears throat> he may have something better in store. He has better plans than we do. That's good news. And then Luke chapter 9 talks about taking up your cross and following him. If anyone desires to come after me, he needs to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. What does that mean to take up your cross? Your cross, in the Greek word, I, I'm going to do my best to pronounce it, stroas. It looks like sto-ros, sto-ros, something like that. Um, Exposure to death, self-denial. That doesn't mean that you just carry a cross around. It means that you deny self. I want to read to you something that George Mueller said. He said about this subject of dying to self. He said, there was a day when I died, utterly died. I died to George Mueller. His opinions, his preferences, tastes, his will. I died to the world. Its approval, its censor. I died to the approval and blame even, even, even from my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to show myself approved only to God. Man, that's so good. And this is the power of the reset. See, when you're willing to decide to detox, to disconnect, to die to self, Here's what's going to happen. God's going to give you a new focus. He's going to give you a new hunger. He's going to give you a new prayer life. He's also going to give you a new love for people. I mean, imagine, think of it. What if, what if you could hurt four people instead of allowing people to hurt you? Man, what if your life could be so impacted by God's presence that, that you don't have time to think about, to take time to criticize other people or to see how other people are doing things and, 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 and compare yourself to them because the only person you care about pleasing is God only. Man, think about that. God loves you so much. He cares about you so much. He wants to help you reset your life. And so here's what I wanna encourage you to do this morning. We're gonna pray, <clears throat> but I wanna ask you to do a self-examination of your life. And think, man, Lord, what is there in my life that, ha- that, is, second, that is first place instead of you? Maybe, maybe you've allowed something to creep up and it's past God. You know, when we make God the center, when we make him the focus, when we make him our top priority, man, everything else gets better. Your marriage gets better. Your relationship with your kids get, gets better. Your career gets better. When we submit things to God and we choose to make his plans number one and our plans number two.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.